0: Some common sense.
1: Yes, sir. And they have the cars down to Tamman Granch by Flyer. We
2: still don't know who pulled the
3: trigger.
0: Everyone and welcome to Police Off the Cuff: Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD Sergeant Bill Cannon, and with me today, retired NYPD Detective and straight out of Brooklyn, Phil Grimaldi. How's it Good going? Good to
2: see you, Billy. I'm very happy to be on the air. Which at this point, that we, uh, the New York City Police Department, has arrested this uh, this terrorist.
0: You know, absolutely. And we kept saying early on, this guy is not a person of interest. He's a perp. He's a wanted suspect. Let's call him what he is. And uh, we were calling that. Remember I said he, they were saying he was 5'5", 180. I go, a guy with a fat head like that got to be over 200-something pounds, right? Yeah. And uh, look, I'm not trying to make jokes about this. This is a great thing for New York City, a great thing for all the victims, a great thing for the police that grabbed them, the public that cooperated and called us into Crime Stoppers. A person that saw him out on the street and took video and then posted it to uh, social media, and that also alerted the police. So on several fronts, a lot of kudos go out there. Another thing, Phil, I'm going to say, and we'll we'll get into this a little bit later, I'm glad the feds are going to prosecute him because they're going to prosecute him. They would have sent him to the Brooklyn DA. He would have gave him a sandwich, sent them home on bail, and it would be a joke. The feds are going to charge him with a terroristic act, and he's going to go to prison for the rest of his life.
2: Absolutely, Billy. And under the federal statute, there could be possibly a death penalty sentence here. Uh, Obviously, the uh, 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 sentencing guidelines uh, under the federal uh, system is much more uh, stringent. It's much tougher. Uh, the guidelines uh, with regard to good behavior, a lot less time is taken off for things like that. So, yeah, I'm glad he's being uh, prosecuted by the feds. That's what it's called for in this situation. And uh, a quick uh, point that I want to make about what you were saying, you know, the initial reports and all the confusion they were saying that he was 5'5", and, uh, and uh, maybe a thin build or a slim build, obviously uh, he's not. So, you know, in the thick of chaos, uh, you know, a lot of times, uh, when things are very fluid and liquid, uh, miscommunication or people just remember things differently, that's indicative of situations like this.
0: You know, uh, people are so spoiled. And I say this all the time with how good the NYPD is less than 30 hours. They grabbed this guy, you know, a terrorist, an actual terrorist on a train, spraying people with gunfire. And, you know, I know it's not popular. It's not politically correct. It's not woke for our politicians to call him a terrorist, a a homegrown terrorist, but that's what he is. He's on a train spraying people with gunfire. I know he's probably an EDP. He's probably an emotionally disturbed person. That's good. but I'm not saying that's good, but that, that shouldn't be considered. He should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law so the next EDP doesn't consider going on the subway with a gun.
2: I'm sure there's going to be evaluation psychological in nature, uh, to determine whether or not he's going to be competent to stand trial. But Billy, you're pointing out something very, very important is Facebook and YouTube postings of this guy making anti-Semitic, racial, anti-white, uh, statements on YouTube. Now, uh, YouTube, Facebook, they're all very quick to censor, uh, what things, when they come from the right side of the aisle, uh, conservative aisle, uh, you know, obviously, uh, Uh, President Trump and numerous other people have been censored by Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, whatever. Now, Uh, During the press conference, which I'm sure you're going to play some of it, the FBI states there was no active investigation on this guy anytime in the past or currently. So where was YouTube? Where was Facebook when he was making these outlandish statements? They should have notified the FBI. They should have notified law enforcement some way, shape or form. Uh, That slips through the cracks. But if someone makes a conservative statement on any of these platforms, these social media platforms, they're very quickly censured.
0: Well oh, you're so right. Oh LJK, a new member to our uh, YouTube family. Thank you so much LJK for joining. Now you will have the you have the Irish font, you have the green font in your uh, uh, when you want to talk in the chat. But thank you so much for joining our YouTube family. Also, um Urban Infidel, you made a, a great statement and this is so true in gauging competence of a criminal defendant. An awful lot of planning went into this crime spree. He's competent. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100,000%. He planned all of this, right? That, you know, so oh, are they going to now say, you know, if it was a New York City court and you had the Brooklyn DA's office, they'd probably be calling legal aid for him and and get him a, uh, a mentally impaired status so that he could beat these charges. Not the feds. He's going to prison. He's going to a federal
2: prison, you know, somewhere out west. You know, Billy, the planning uh, is obvious that it was uh, very, very intricate planning for this uh, Heaney's crime that he uh, executed yesterday. But there's also cryptic messages on uh, YouTube and Facebook. So uh, I'm sure they're going to put all of those things together. Uh, There's a deep dive going on currently as we speak into this guy's history. I'm sure his uh, social media is being uh, looked at uh, with a fine tooth comb. And uh, there's going to be numerous interviews of people around him. I just hope that everyone's cooperative and, you know, we'll we'll put forth whatever information they have. I mean, they were, uh, the news at noon, they were asking for anyone with information to uh, come forward with video. If you're on the train, please come forward, give a statement, uh, descriptions, whatever. And now, even though he's under arrest, even though he's incarcerated at this moment, they still need to do that. Every bit of evidence will be helpful in putting this guy where he belongs behind bars. And it could also possibly... Possibly uh, shine light on if there was anybody else involved uh, in this uh, situation, this uh, madman's, uh, you know, the, the rampage that he went on. And uh, maybe we can do things to prevent it. We can shine the light on Facebook, YouTube, and all the rest of the social media apparatus that are out there to report these type of things. Where are their algorithms? I'm surprised they didn't catch this. They catch a lot of other things And conservative. Yeah, outrageous.
0: Algorithms. I'm going to play a little bit of the uh, press conference now. And deservedly, they get a chance. They can spike the football. They can jump up and down. They can uh, you know, go out for drinks tonight after this because it's really a thing to celebrate. Law enforcement did a fantastic job. Let me play this here. Oh, hang on one second.
3: Commissioner of the City of New York, Keyshawn Sewell.
4: Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for being here. I am truly fortunate to stand here among these extraordinary investigators and federal partners to make this announcement. Moments ago, Frank Robert James was sh- stopped on the street and arrested by members of the New York City Police Department. Officers, in response to a Crime Stoppers tip, stopped Mr. James at 1 42 p.m. at the corner of St. Mark's Place and First Avenue in Manhattan. He was taken into custody without incident and has been transported to an NYPD facility. He will be charged with committing yesterday's appalling crime in Brooklyn. I want to commend all of the investigators and analysts who took part in this all-hands-on-deck investigation. Literally, hundreds of NYPD detectives worked doggedly during the last 30 hours to bring this together. They did so in tandem with a vast number of our law enforcement partners, including those from the FBI-NYPD Joint Terrorism Task Force, the ATF-NYPD Crime Gun Intelligence Center, and the regional task force led by the United States Marshal Service. We hope this arrest brings some solace to the victims and the people of the city of New York. We used every resource at our disposal to gather and process significant evidence that directly links Mr. James to the shooting. We were able to shrink his world quickly. There was nowhere left for him to run. I'd like to turn it over to Chief James Essick for details of the investigation.
1: Good afternoon, everybody. I'd like to update the public on yesterday's incident on the subway in Brooklyn on a Manhattan bound end train. Through the course of this investigation, we developed additional information and evidence Mr. Frank James, our person of interest, now became a wanted individual for yesterday's horrific incident. Mr. James is a male 62 years old. He is known to us and has ties in Wisconsin, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and New York City. His arrest history in New York is nine prior arrests, dating from 1992 to 1998. Those include possession of burglary tools four times, criminal sex act, theft of service two times. He was arrested on a New Jersey warrant. He also has a criminal tampering. He has three arrests in New Jersey, in 1991, 1992, and 2007. They are for trespass, larceny, and disorderly conduct so yesterday we recovered video of him prior to the incident entering the king's highway subway station he has the same black cart that he has later recovered on the crime scene the pictures are to my right over here
2: this state is available electronically
3: um, after this
1: this station is three blocks from where we recovered the u-haul truck that he rented in philadelphia the key to that truck was recovered at the crime scene. This jacket, the distinctive orange jacket, was also recovered, as well as his construction helmet he was wearing, and we we recovered that in a garbage uh, bin in transit. We believe, but this is still early in the investigation, that after firing his weapon 33 times at innocent New York City subway riders, Mr. James boarded an R train that had pulled into the station Went one stop up and exited at 25th Street Station. We also have a picture of that. The gun used in this, a nine millimeter Glock, which was recovered at this crime scene, was bought, was purchased by Mr. James in 2011 in Ohio. We tracked Mr. James, and his last known whereabouts was 7th Avenue and 9th Street in Park Slope, entering the subway. Minutes ago, thankfully, NYPD patrol officers from the 9th Precinct responded to St. Mark's and First Avenue, where they apprehended him without incident. This case was quickly solved using technology, video canvassing, and then getting that information out to the public. So I can't speak highly enough of the partners we had, the FBI, Mike Driscoll, ATF, John DeVito, U.S. The uh, district attorney from Eastern, uh, Brian Peace, uh, and and the coordination and the, uh, within the detective bureau, Tommy Galati from Intel, our transit bureau, our patrol services bureau, uh, phenomenal job. Less than thirty hours later, to arrest this individual. So with that, I'd like to turn it over to Brian Peace. <coughs>
3: Good afternoon, thank you. Yesterday was a dark day for all of us, but the bright spots of the incredible heroism of our fellow New Yorkers helping each other in a time of crisis, the quick response by our first responders and the hard work by all of our law enforcement partners that has been ongoing is truly uh, a bright spot here. Today, uh, Frank James has been charged by complaint in Brooklyn federal court with one count of violating 18 U.S.C. sections 1992A7 and B1, which prohibits terrorist and other violent attacks against mass transportation systems, he has been apprehended. He will be arraigned in federal court in Brooklyn, and if convicted, he will face a sentence of up to life imprisonment. My office. I'm from Syria. And where do you live? I live in Jersey. Where in Jersey? Union City, Sunset Park Brooklyn in the Eastern District of New York, Frank James did knowingly and without lawful authority and permission, commit an act, including the use of a dangerous weapon with the intent to cause death and serious bodily injury to passengers and MTA employees on the New York City subway system. The government will prove, among other things, that James traveled across state line in order to commit the offense and transported materials across the state line in aid of the commission of the offense. We in the Eastern District of New York U.S. Attorney's Office are working closely with all of our law enforcement partners, the FBI, NYPD, ATF, U.S. Marshal Service and others, including the Kings County District Attorney's Office. And my office and our law enforcement partners will use every tool at our disposal uh, to bring this individual justice and bring justice to New Yorkers and restore safety and peace of mind to all. And we'll continue to do so as this case proceeds. Thank you. Good
5: afternoon. And thank you all for being here today. As Mr. Peace just discussed, Mr. James is now facing a federal charge for his actions a terrorist attack on mass transit. We have two ways that you can get in contact with us because I want to be very clear that this is still an ongoing investigation. If you have additional information regarding Mr. James's activity or if you have digital information, please reach out to us. Contact the FBI, 1-800-CALL-FBI, or you can provide digital media through FBI.gov slash Brooklyn Shooting. We need to hear from you so we can fully understand all the events that have occurred over the last 30 hours. It's crucial that we receive the assistance of the public as we piece this case together. There has been some reports that FBI holdings to date um, had a tie to Mr. James. I wanna be very clear that to date, we have found no record of an investigation of Frank R. James by an FBI office before the shooting yesterday reports that FBI's New Mexico field office previously investigated him are inaccurate. I want to thank our partners in this case the NYPD, the ATF, the U.S. Marshals and the U.S. Attorney's Office and all the members of the FBI NYPD Joint Terrorism Task Force. We've had such a tremendous response from all of our partners in this case that have led us to this moment now. I also want to take a quick moment to highlight the work of the JTTF. I'm fortunate I get to work with them every day. It's truly an outstanding group of people, led by SAC Kerry Farley, who spearheaded this investigation. They've done an outstanding job on this, as they have every time New York has faced a threat of this nature. So thank you, and I'd like to turn it over to John DeVito from the ATF.
6: Good afternoon, everyone. Again, my name is John DeVito. I'm the Special Agent in Charge for ATF here in New York State. Uh, One of the key points that uh, A. Dick uh, Driscoll pointed out was that we could not have done this without the public's health. First, let me say our thoughts and prayers and actions for the past two days have been with the victims as well as all New Yorkers. The men and women of ATF have been working side-by-side with NYPD, FDNY, the Marshals, FBI, to solve this heinous crime, which we have. Immediately after the attack, New York City Crime Gun Intelligence Center, or CIGIC, which is a unit comprised of highly skilled analysts, investigators from ATF, NYPD, as well as a myriad of other vital partners, whose sole purpose is to collect, analyze, and disseminate actionable intelligence regarding gun violence. Just imagine a team of dedicated professionals exploiting every nugget of intel from gun violence, the firearms and then weaponizing that information to use it against the people that are terrorizing our communities. That's your siege. The timeline on this gun's life spans 16 years in five states. And I'm very proud to say that late yesterday evening, about 12 hours after this attack, ATF agents were able to close the loop on that extensive time span and determine that Frank James purchased that firearm from a federal firearms licensee in Ohio in 2011. So essentially, we tied that gun, utilizing the shooting, to our target, and now we have our target in custody. Thank you.
3: OK, uh, we're going to be in that we've called you almost everything we have to say, able to answer some very limited questions. Tina. Uh, People uh, bit about the crime stoppers, there's no they called themselves in. Is
4: that true? There was a person who called crime stoppers. We're reviewing who exactly made that call.
0: So I don't think we need to hear all of the questions coming from the media because I don't think their questions will be that pertinent to this investigation. However, you could see, uh, this was totally a team, a team game here and a team, uh, law enforcement worked together. They did an unbelievable job, less than 30 hours. They get this guy, a subway shooter who shot 10 people, five people critically injured 21 in an elaborate plot, you know, he also had an a hatchet in his bag of tricks that he brought right. on to the subway. I think a can or some container of gasoline as well as numerous smoke bombs. You know, one of the questions I have, too, and I know he, he, he had a record of, I think, nine arrests from 1992 to 1998. But how was he able to legally purchase a firearm? It said he bought it from a federal firearms dealer. Now, was there no background check? because if you uh, had conducted a background check on this guy, you would have came up with his nine arrests. And I don't think he would have been able to legally purchase that firearm
2: at that press conference. I believe that question was asked. and the way that they responded to it was, I guess it might be because of the state that he wasn't convicted of a felony at the time when he purchased that firearm. Could have been arrested for felonies. However, he was never convicted of a felony. That's how they said he was able to purchase that firearm. That's what I saw on that press conference. I don't know if that to be true, but again, how you make such a great point, Bill. He's got a long uh, criminal history. How is he uh, in possession of a, a legally held firearm? Or how does he purchase it? I mean, whether it's legally or not, but who would sell someone a, a firearm and uh, not do a background check on him and uh, find out that he's got a long criminal history? Yeah, I
0: mean, I find that a little perturbing. But the other thing was, is that uh, the FBI special agent in charge said he slammed the door on the fact that um, Mr. James was not on the FBI watch list. Yep. Some people were talking about that. Oh, by the way, uh, Mike Papagallo and Tom Cusinelli, thank you so much for your $5 super chats. Very much appreciated. Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. If you're not subscribed to us, please go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, ring that bell. If you want to support us, we have a Patreon. You could uh, join us on our Patreon. We have three different levels. And we have a YouTube channel members with five different levels, and you can support us that way. See the folks in the chat with the green font. They're part of the Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories family, and we appreciate you guys. So, you know, some of the things that we spoke about, and you won't hear this on the regular news, but you'll hear it on Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories, is the political mileage that they're trying to get out of this. And I one of the things that I disagree with so much in journalism is how they make a point through not commission but omission by leaving things out, by not reporting certain things because they're trying to make some kind of political statement. And then there's overt and, uh, you know, reporting also – And right away yesterday, uh, Mayor Adams went right to the Second Amendment thing, right to that, we got to start attacking the guns, the ghosts. That has nothing to do with it. The person that fires the gun should be locked up and put in jail. They're already talking about, oh, he needed services. Are you kidding me? We are getting sick of hearing this. Civilian Citizens of New York are getting sick of hearing this. Citizens of the United States of America are getting sick of hearing this perp, you know, Just
2: bowing down to the perp instead of, no, he belongs in prison. 100%, Billy. Uh, The politics, as I said before, could wait. Uh, What we had here was a great cooperation. This is where the media becomes very, very important in getting out the word. They got out the photographs. They got out the surveillance photos. They got out the vehicle information right away. That's what helped uh, close this guy's world down, as the police commissioner said. Uh, They tightened the noose around him. And uh, with that cooperation with the media, that's where the media becomes a very, very, Uh, Very, very important instrument in law enforcement. Uh, It led to that picture that you see right there where he was taken into custody. Thank God he's no longer a threat to society. He's no longer a threat to the New York City uh, area, the New York City subway system. Uh, that cooperation was uh, was great that we had that, that people called up on him. And uh, basically because the uh, media did uh, publish all of those videos, I'm sure social media had a hand in it as well. So those are the good parts of it. The politics needs to le- be left behind. Uh, we know what... Uh, the, the latest crime waves that have been going on in uh, across the country, what they're due to the attack on police, the fund the police, the bail reform laws, uh, the taking away of the plain clothes, all the different things that we've cited numerous times already. We know what the remedies are for this. Uh, let's just hope and pray that, uh, you know, this brings like a new spirit back into New York. Thank God. Nobody was killed. Thank God his gun jammed. You saw the spirit of New York city people, uh, aiding the people that were, uh, that were injured. Uh, it, it gave me, uh, uh, like flashbacks of nine 11, so to speak. And, uh, you know, it's a good thing to see and let's get, uh, back on track with, uh, taking back our city and, uh, bringing down crime.
4: Balance video. The video shows the suspect wearing a reflective vest, wheeling a cart down the street, and carrying a bag. Police suspect James opened fire on the subway, shooting 10 people. The NYPD has also just released new images of James. There's a $50,000 reward in this case. I'm Natalie Dudridge for CBS New York.
0: You know, Phil, might watching that video, might a, a sharp anti crime cop have stopped that guy? And say, who are you? Let me see some ID. You know, like, why are you wearing this? Where are you going with this? Are you, you know, might they've, or even a, even a uniform? I mean, why, why are you wearing this whole attire? Why you got this mask on? You know what I mean? I, I think that, you know, that can't be, you, you know, you can't forget that we, you know, we had these great plain clothes units that used to do these things, and now they're not around anymore. And it's, it's disheartening because those people protected the citizens of New York. And now because of wokeness and political correctness, plainclothes units don't exist anymore. You know, and and, and then you have these politicians. I I can't, I mean, I I, I feel like I'm getting redundant, but when when I see Governor Hochul there, are you kidding me? She just, they just refuse to amend the bail laws. She's getting up and standing, talking like she's, a, a, a uh, you know, someone that supports the
2: police. She's not. She is not. Billy, you're making a very good point because anti-crime um, may have spotted somebody like that. Now, not even for the reason of going into the subway and uh, causing this horrible incident terrorist attack, but a lot of times there are scams that go on with elderly people or a guy will dress up in that type of attire, go ring a doorbell, uh, tell the people that there's a leak or there's something that they have to look at, uh, secrete themselves into the home and then rifle through their personal belongings all different types of scams. So there's that. There's a stark difference between MTA, uh, you know, transit workers and that particular garb that he was wearing. He's pulling, you know, he's pulling this bag. Is it is it tools or is it something else? And he definitely looked out a place. I think that's the point that you're trying to make. Perhaps if there was uh, plainclothes anti-crime units in the area, also on the subway, there was three or four different uh, uh, anti-crime plainclothes units, uh, whether they were You know, going after people that were, uh, you know, robbing drunks on the train or just everyday criminals, sexual predators. Uh, There was all of those units that have now been taken away. So yes, of course, uh, he could have been spotted by one by one of them, maybe stopped, and maybe the gun could have been taken from him on a stop, question, and frisk, uh, and, and this incident may have never happened. I mean, that's the proactive policing that we had in place over the last 15, 20, 25, 30 years that brought down crime. So when you remove those things, it makes it easier for someone like this to commit the the horrible, horrible crime that he committed.
0: That's just giving you an idea of the confusion yesterday when this occurred. We said early on he was never a person in, of interest. He was we a suspect. At that one. scene,
1: was a Glock 17, 9 mm handgun. Three extended Glock-type magazines. One was still in the weapon. One under a seat, and one in a backpack. We had 33 discharged shell casings, 15 bullets, five bullet fragments, two detonated smoke grenades two non-detonated smoke grenades, a hatchet, a black garbage can, a black milk type type style rolling cart, the gasoline, and a U-Haul key.
2: you know bill i want to make a point about his go ahead i I want to take
0: adams off the screen i don't want to hear his politicization of this
2: listen he's probably uh uh less in the loop than we really even think he is but uh the point i wanted to make about the suspect uh frank james was this uh he seemed to have some type of familiarity with the area in which he committed these crimes. Uh, He leaves the subway system at 25th street and 4th Avenue uh, in Brooklyn. uh, When, after he commits this act, he dumps his, um, his get up, his helmet, his vest, or whatever it was, that jacket, that reflective jacket, he dumps it into the garbage. They apparently have recovered it. So, and then he walks from 25th street. It's about a 20 block walk to 9th street and 7th Avenue. And he gets on the train again. Now, uh, I didn't talk about this earlier because he wasn't in custody. I'll, I'll bring it up now. If he used a Metro card to get into the system, they probably had that information from when he entered the train at Kings Highway. And they were probably able to track that same Metro card if he, in fact, used it again at Ninth Avenue. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, 7th Avenue and 9th Street to re-enter the subway system. That may be how he, they knew his uh his his movements about. But uh there is some familiarity with the area. Uh he does have several arrests going back over 20 years ago in the New York area. Um I I believe some of those arrests did occur in in Brooklyn, but uh again, He moved about freely. He seemed to know where he was going. He knew the subway system. Uh, He went from one subway station, twenty blocks away, to another subway station. So that tells me there was some familiarity with uh, with the area.
0: No, absolutely. And you know, folks, I just want uh, to—we've reiterated time and time again how great an investigation. But left at the scene, when they speak at what was left at the scene, a nine millimeter Glock handgun. All right, three high capacity magazines uh two i think spent smoke bombs and two uh active smoke bombs that weren't set off a hatchet um some other like uh so gasoline i mean all of these things can be tracked and traced he left his credit card at the scene and the key to that u-haul it, you know, if you did not know, but it, good,
2: it some, some, uh, some fireworks, some non, yes. Not non-commercial grade fireworks, like over the counter fireworks. So uh, yeah, he, he had a lot more planned than he was able to execute. It sounds like.
0: Yeah. I think that, um, yeah, you're right. He planned a lot more of an attack of more blood, but I think the the confusion and the smoke bombs and all that may have also worked to confuse him. Yes. There was also a statement by a, a, a reporter. I don't know that she tried to criticize the police and the MTA for letting the train go out of the station. I don't, I'm not sure it was the R train went out yeah. of the station and apparently he had jumped on that train and, and got out of there.
2: The N and but, the R hook up at that location. And he was on an N train, I believe going uh, north towards uh, Manhattan and the R train was going uh also north, but there's a hookup there. That's what I think that reporter was talking about. At 36th Street, there are several uh, different uh, lines that meet. That's a uh, a hookup station where you know, you can transfer from one train to another to go to different parts of the city. So that's probably what uh, that reporter was uh, indicating. Listen, in the moment of panic, uh, they got the train out of there, were injured people on the train. Uh, he may have been on that train unbeknownst to the, uh, to the uh, you know, to the transit crew that was on that train. But uh, I don't think anything was done with bad intent. It was done with good intent, obviously. And uh, and all that confusion, I think you're making a good point to Billy, the fact that a lot of times when uh, you know, uh, there's a, a mass casualty shooting, the person firing the shots, there's a, a, a mindset where they, they're in control, they're firing the shots. When something happens, the gun jams or someone starts shooting back at them, their whole mindset shifts. Now they go into uh, a retreat mode so to speak or uh, a fight flight you know they want to flee they want to they're, they're given up fighting now they want to get away from the danger that's probably what happened to him a lot of confusion uh the gas mask the smoke uh the gun jam so he you know he he panics and maybe the door train doors eventually open in the next uh, couple of seconds or whatever it is and he exits and he, and he tries to get away he obviously dumps the uh the the helmet that he was wearing and the, uh, the, the jacket, the reflective jacket. And then he goes into another direction. He goes on to that other train, which uh, quickly leaves the station. I, I don't think that there's any, uh, criticism for that uh, train crew that took that uh, train out. No, of
0: no, none at all. But I just think, you know, reporters yeah. like the to report- try uh, to report- uh, create
2: reporters are wrong about that. There could right have been explosives on that train. They may have saved people's lives by getting that train out of there. If there had been explosives or a fire or God knows what I think that was, uh, that was, uh, a definite definite uh, misspeak by the uh, by that reporter that said that one of the bad.
0: one of the things i wanted to say was folks with with active shooters active shooters go into an active shooting not expecting to survive however when they're confronted they frequently surrender and that is uh, when you think of the mindset they're going into this just to kill as many people as possible and then with the fact that, and they know that there's a good chance that they may be killed And in many instances, they kill themselves. But when confronted many times, they surrender, which I find a little bit strange because they went into there with this goal of basically almost like a kamikaze of taking all these people down and they're going to lose their life too. But when it comes time to meet your maker,
2: many people choose life. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, the mindset changes. Maybe he had one picture in his mind of this is what I'm going to do. And he was going to shoot all these people and then calmly walk off the train. But, you know, again, the gun jams. uh, He probably had uh, visual problems between the gas mask and the smoke. Maybe that's what God, uh, thank God, God was watching over that. uh, A lot of these people weren't shot in critical areas of their body. It looked like a lot of leg injuries. Uh, so, uh, again, he may have had, uh, the, uh, you know, the unbalance of the train moving going, you know, through the stations, uh, that may have set him off a little bit. He wasn't able to take careful aim. The train is moving. Uh, you know, you, you have to try, if you stand up on a moving train, it's a little difficult to even just keep your balance and stay standing. So you, you put all of these components together, what he thought out in his mind Didn't turn out that way. The gun jams, all that confusion. And, um doesn't sound like he had a plan B or an exit strategy. He just, uh, You know, he cut and run. He obviously uh, didn't mean to leave all of that, his credit card, the keys to the vehicle, all of that behind. But however, he did, which was actually very helpful for us. And uh, detectives jumped all over that and they were able to uh, secure the vehicle within hours. And then uh, obviously had the uh, this morning, there was a, a full court press to get this guy and he was arrested this afternoon.
0: DD Robert uh thank you for this comment as far as his mental health goes a person with antisocial personality disorder and or psychopathy psych- psychopathy excuse me i didn't pronounce it correctly isn't th- going to go in for help there is no cure they know right from wrong and choose evil thank you for raising that because you know, there's a good chance that whoever his defense attorney is they're going to raise uh insanity as a defense you know and as you say Many of the things he did, he thought out. It's premeditated. He thought about doing it. Just in bringing all the things he did to this mass shooting,
2: he thought very clearly about what he wanted to do. I'm sure there's going to be some type of a uh, defense put forward that he's not in control of his thoughts and everything. But if I saw some of his social media postings. uh, He seems very methodical. He seems very uh, intent on what he says. Uh, so they're going to look at that. They're going to speak to him. They're going to, uh, a good psychologist, psychiatrist, whoever does the evaluation is going to be able to tell if he's, uh, purposely evading answering questions. They'll be able to come up with a, uh, a very good, uh, psychological profile on this guy. And I think if you look at those, uh, media postings, the social media posting between YouTube and Facebook, I don't know if they're still around. Hopefully someone will get played on the news and we'll get the real, uh, background on this guy a real picture of what was going through his mind, what thoughts he had. Um, You know, I think that uh, the professionals will be able to say that he's competent to stand trial for the actions which he committed yesterday on the You You know, know, folks,
0: as we had had said this morning and we've been saying and we've been reporting on for the last couple of months, the subway in New York City right now is a disaster. And when you get some of these politicians like the head of the MTA uh, saying, oh, it's people are coming back. You know, just a couple of months ago, I believe it was, uh, his name is Jano Lieber. I'm going to pull up a, uh, little video from this morning. He was going on all the, uh, news stations to basically exonerate himself for the broken camera that did, would have caught, uh, the, the shooter coming in and out of the subway. But the camera, one of the most important cameras was not working. So he was trying to make a point to exonerate himself from culpability. And, uh, that's what um, I want to play a little bit of this. But, you know, the, the subway has been the scene of bias crimes, murders, people being pushed on the tracks, homeless people occupying the subway like it's their home. And when people taxpaying people of the city complain about it, they get nothing from the politicians. They don't want to hear it, you know. And just recently, to Mayor Adams' credit, he tried to put together a whole task force to remove the homeless people from the subway where they don't belong in the first place. But then you get all these advocates protesting on behalf of the homeless people. And you know something, homeless is a euphemism. What it really means is mentally ill, alcohol addicted, or drug addicted. That's what it means. And that's why they are homeless. All right. It's not because they don't have homes. That's part of it. But those three other things are the reason that they are homeless. Is they're alcohol addicted, drug addicted, or, or, and mentally ill. And that's why
2: they're living on a, on a subway train. One other point I wanted to make, Billy, I saw an interview with former police commissioner, Bill Bratton. He pointed out that 33% of the people that ride the subway don't pay the fare. They do not pay the fare. Fare evasion is not prosecuted. He blamed it on the progressive DAs in all five boroughs that they will refuse to prosecute any type of uh, criminal charge for uh, not paying the fare, whether it be a summons or a theft of service arrest. It now became uh, a civil matter and uh, with enforcement on that, I think that uh, with that, he he, I think he quoted 170 million dollars in uh, revenue is lost uh, annually. I guess it is on uh, on fare evasion. I'm not sure of the number, but with that money, I'm sure that we could have a very high tech camera system working throughout the subway system had they enforced and people pay their fare.
0: Absolutely real with Robo. Thank you for the five dollar super chat. Insane people don't run. Thanks for making my hubby laugh. When reporters start doing their job, they can speak on others and how they do theirs. 100%. I want to play this little snippet from um, uh, Jano Lieber, who uh, never met uh, a responsibility he couldn't shirk. You know and I'm just going to play this right here.
3: And the material that the NYPD has circulated has a variety of different images of him. So all night long, we have 600 cameras on this one line. In Brooklyn, Um, 2,500 cameras, the length of the line. So the cops have been looking overnight at all of the stations where he got on, where he might have gotten off. There's an enormous range of video. It's one of the things we've done to make the system safer. We went from 30% camera coverage uh, of our 472 stations to 100% camera coverage. So we got a lot of video for the cops to look at and they're working. But
4: how it. do you explain that on this particular train the cameras do not appear to be working? Was that just a fluke?
3: Yeah, I, I think? think that I think that in the one location by the turnstile there there was apparently a server problem which they had been working on the day before.
0: Yeah, they had just been working on it the day before. They had just been working on it. You know, and I take a great umbrage with him calling the police the cops because even though you and I, Phil, know that cop stands for constable on patrol and it comes from the London police. And we, it's not a derogatory term, but in the way he uses it, he's just this elitist, the cops. Really? You're you making 400-something thousand a year? You should be fired just because of that camera's broken.
2: <laughs> yeah, he he's, uh, he's coming off a little bit, like you said, disparaging, condescending when he uses the word cops like that. But uh, listen, I would think – Uh, cameras are so, so important in trying to prevent or to detect or to enforce law when it comes to criminal activity in the subway. So there should be a major priority. Camera goes out. It should not stay broke for more than a couple of hours. Uh, The transit authority has plenty of people employed. There's plenty of money in that system. They can get to those cameras and repair them right away. It sounds like a simple thing. They said a server was inactive or something, but why should it take uh, a long period of time to repair? I doubt highly that they will. Phil, I
0: read some situation. stats that at any time, 33% of the cameras are down.
1: Yep, I know. So, dude,
0: don't don't like try to. And then, oh, the cops, they still can get the other cameras, the cops. You know, like this guy. And he's he's always highly critical of the NYPD, this guy. He's a hokul appointment, you know, and, and, and like I, I just cannot stand these people that have, you know, they got. And the other thing what you were talking about with Bratton About 170 million not paying their fare. You know what the city's answer to that is? Speed cameras and congestion pricing. They're going to make you pay for it, Phil. They're going to make you pay for it when you go past a certain street in Manhattan. You're going to be hit with a toll. You know why? Because you're going to pay for the guy jumping the turnstile. Speed cameras. You go over 25 miles an hour, Phil. You're getting a summons, a $50 summons in the mail. Why? Because you're a good citizen. You pay your taxes. They can find you. And they know you have a bank account, and they're going to try to empty it.
2: It happened to me already. Ocean Parkway in Brooklyn, which is basically uh, Ocean Parkway. It's a six-lane highway. If you go 35 miles an hour, you're over the speed limit of 25 uh, it clocked me at thirty seven. I got a I got a nice uh gift in the mail. I think it was a ninety dollar ticket or something, is a couple of years back. But again, and they're using the money from the speed cameras, from the red light cameras, from the traffic cameras, all those violations going to supplement the MTA so that way people who aren't paying I mean, I, I've saw videos where twenty five and thirty people at a time are jumping a turnstile. One person opens the gate and you know, people are waiting and they just flow in. And again, we're not prosecuting it for the the, the same reason that's been going around it's racist all these progressive DA's in the city and listen if we start with that we will prevent uh, bigger and worse crimes from happening. And a lot of the thugs in the city, the gangbangers, they can use the, the, the transportation system without paying fare to go to locations and commit shootings, get back or hop back on the subway and go back to the neighborhood where they live. And, you know, if we have enforcement of that overall, over a period of time, we'll have the revenue that we could have working cameras in every station and we'll also reduce crime.
0: Rizzy Painting, outstanding coverage, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Joining late to the show, what happens next to this person, the process as detectives. What's going to happen, he's being charged federally, um, Rizzy Painting. We spoke about that in the beginning. The FBI grabbed him. The U.S. attorney is going to prosecute him, and they're going to prosecute him for a terrorist act that makes him eligible for life in prison. So how's that? Whereas the Brooklyn DA probably would have gave him bail, sent him home with a cheese sandwich, and uh, asked him to come back into maybe... Meet some violence, violence interrupters. I'm being sarcastic, of course, but this is what the citizenry of New York is complaining about. We've had it with these politicians. We've had it with these district attorneys. We've had it with these woke policies. This non-incarceral attitude of this of the basically the five district attorneys, other than well, Staten Island still prosecutes people. Brooklyn, the Bronx, Manhattan, uh, Queens. They, they, you know, they're not. They, they don't want to prosecute anybody
2: very soft on crime, the federal statutes uh, that this case meets the guidelines is the way to go with this case, the uh, penalties will be much greater. Uh, there could possibly be even a death penalty charge in here if it's uh, terrorism. I don't know, maybe if there was a, 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 which I'm glad there wasn't, if there had been a death, that may have reached a level, the threshold for a, a death penalty, uh, uh, you know, a sentence. But uh, listen, he's not going to walk free. Uh, the federal system is a lot tighter than the uh, the state system. You you noted the the five, uh, well, four of the district attorneys in Brooklyn don't really uh, prosecute uh, a lot of these heavy crimes. And uh, again, if he goes into the federal system, uh, the good time laws don't apply. Uh, he'll have to do. Uh, over 90%, 95% of his sentence before he'd be eligible to be paroled. And uh, the federal system is definitely the way to go. That's the cases like organized crime, uh, high-profile white-collar crime go through the federal system, and uh, the guidelines are much stiffer. The penalties are much stiffer. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely the way to go with this case. And, you know, the Fed's uh, taking over it. Uh, they have much deeper pockets. Uh, the investigation will continue on. And, uh, I'm sure that they'll look at every little piece of evidence that they could put together, given a profile of this guy, as well as, uh, whatever evidence they can recover to, you know, nail the coffin closed on, uh, on this, uh, on this particular individual.
0: <laughs> DP infamous, at least give him a ride to Burger King. I, we can he's, he likes McDonald's. He was sitting right. in he, McDonald's today. He was seen so in How McDonald's. could we, how could we torture him and give him a ride to Burger King? we got to take him to Mickey D's, you know, yeah. uh, He probably will get life in prison for this. Yes. And I mean, obviously shooting people is an assault first degree, possibly even charged with attempted murder. murder. Although all district attorneys seem to be reluctant to do that unless you you have very good aim and you're shooting uh, to the chest or something or to the head. Other than I that, they terrorism
2: charges might even be more uh stringent in this case because again, he crossed over state lines to conduct his terror. Uh the smoke bombs, the intent, the premeditation. He's yeah, I don't think he's ever gonna see the light of day.
0: Folks, we're gonna go to a quick commercial
2: break.
0: John Beattie Law, www.jbeattielaw.com. John Beatty is a renowned personal injury attorney. He also retired as a decorated NYPD sergeant. John comes from a proud NYPD and FDNY family. He was an active sergeant in Brooklyn North and supervised in the legal bureau. John is a proud member of the Honor Legion and the Blue Knights. John Beattie litigates across the country for seriously injured victims and has helped recover over $200 million for grieving families. Call John now for a free consultation. John Beatty 917-797-9520. And that is John Beatty Law, www.jbeattylaw.com. All these uh, members of the service, all these uh, cops and sergeants knocking out a law degree while they're on this job, which to me is completely amazing how they go back to school at night or day, not seeing their family, get that law degree, and then they retire and they have a whole, a whole other career. And a lot of them excel as attorneys because they know the other side of the fence and they know how to talk in front of people. They know how to testify. They know how to interview. They know how to interrogate, and they know how to read people. So,
6: yep, that's absolutely. a
0: hell of a hell of a second career. And uh, Joe Murray and John Beatty, two of the best.
2: Listen, it's called sacrifice. Like you said, it's difficult to uh, maintain uh, your personal life, your career, and then go to school at night. In which are a lot, a lot of these cases, they are. And when you look at a guy like Joe Murray and and uh, Beatty, I mean, uh, they really have shown us uh, that they know how to. Uh, protect person's rights and, uh, you know, the right questions to ask. And uh, I talked to Joe just the other day about one of the murder cases he's on and uh, it was very interesting and he's really uh, pushing hard to do the right thing for his client. And uh, that's what you want in an attorney.
0: You know, folks, before when I said one of the biggest problems with ho- that causes homelessness is alcoholism, drug addiction, and mental illness. And that happens to be a fact. Does that mean every single person that's homeless is an alcoholic, a drug addict, or mentally ill? No, it doesn't. It just means a high percentage of them are. And many of them that are living in the subway system and on the trains have those problems. I should yeah. have qualified myself before I said that, but that is a huge problem. However, no one, no one belongs living in the subway system. And we should be able, we're a rich city, we're a rich country. We should be able to get them the services to get them the hell off the train get them an SRO apartment, single room occupancy, get them one of those, get them a bed to sleep in, get them, get them three meals and a cot as they say, but they do not belong living in the subway system because it imperils everyone.
2: Absolutely. Billy. I mean, think about it, how low you have to be in your life that you have to take to the subway system as a residence to sleep. Uh, It's pretty terrible. And if you have these addictions or mental illness uh, it makes it even worse. Uh, I really, you got to feel bad for people like that. And, uh, they are part of the the crime wave that's taking place in the subway. Absolutely. 100%. There's no question about it, but we need to offer services for these people. Like you said, uh, three squares and a cot, I think is the military term. So again, uh, instead of, uh, throwing money at, uh, Violence interrupters and these uh, ridiculous things that they come up coming up with. Let's try to uh, really interdict the homeless that are in the subways and around the city it doesn't only have to be in the subway Uh try and offer them places to live that are safe. I mean, that's one of the big uh, reluctance to go into a homeless shelter uh, when they're presented with, uh, you know, uh, you can't stay in the subway, or you can't stay on the street. Uh, We offer you a shelter. A lot of the shelters aren't safe, so they need to improve that. And they need to, like you said, there's probably SROs around the city that they could uh, use to uh, house these people. And I just can't even imagine being so low in my life that I would take to the subway system to use that as a shelter to, to sleep on. And, uh, it's, it's really, you know, it's very degrading. It's very demoralizing. It's terrible. And, you know, you got to feel for these people. You really do. But again, they spiral out of control and then they commit these crimes and these atrocities. And then, you know, the rest of us are left to have to deal with it. So the problem is there. Let's try working on solving the problem and correcting the condition of, you know, these people with uh, mental illness, drug addiction in the subway system.
0: Jody Van Strien. Good morning, gentlemen, from Australia. I'm enjoying my my breakfast, listening to your amazing insight. What do people in Australia eat for breakfast? That's a good question. (laughs) I'm not going to make a joke. I was going to say, you know, like kangaroo bun burgers? What? I don't know. (laughs) That was a bad joke. But, uh, you know, what do you eat eat in Australia for breakfast? I don't know. But thank you, Jody Van Straan, for listening to us. We're thrilled that you have people from so far away. And I guess you have good Wi-Fi because we're coming in loud and clear. Um, Zach Edward Zachary, um, no point t- tackling the homelessness problem. You need to fix the addiction problem first, otherwise they will just return to the streets. Well, Edward, you you have a point, but I disagree with you. Yes, no, you got to no. take the people out of the subway. They don't belong there. They don't belong living on the streets, and they don't belong living in the subway. Because guess what? For the first time, a, a government official who happens to be the police commissioner of the NYPD mentioned the crime victims. You never hear politicians mention the crime victims because that's not their base. Their base are the perpetrators and the families are the perps.
2: So they don't care about the victims because the victims aren't voting for them. Listen, if you want people to travel uh, using the subway system, they need it to be safe. Uh, They're creating an unsafe uh, condition in uh, the atmosphere in the subway system has not been safe for a very long time. We saw people being targeted by homeless thrown onto the subway tracks and killed all these different assaults, murders, shootings, stabbings, everything in the last couple of years. So we had a safe subway system for a good period of time. It's not safe anymore. I think, as Billy stated, its he's right on, right on the money. Uh, start with uh, you know getting the homeless out of the subway system. Uh, put your plainclothes units back into the subway system to interdict criminals in the act. Uh, have uh, enforcement of uh, paying the fare uh, to get into the subway system. It's it's a two-fold there. You can generate revenue and uh, you can also create a safer space for people to come and go on the subway uh there's we, we, we've been through it uh, billy and i have been through it the 80s the 90s the thousands the 2000s we know it works we're not talking from uh you know a place of ignorance we're talking from a place of experience and uh You know, let's start there. There's uh, homeless encampments around the city as well. Uh, Drug addicted areas where people who are homeless are using drugs, buying drugs, purchasing drugs, peddling drugs and committing petty crimes. So there's a lot to be done. But we're talking about specifically the subway today based on the incident that happened yesterday.
0: Edward Martin, what did I tell you guys? He would be close by when they caught him. Edward, you know, we used to joke in Manhattan North. we'd We'd say the guy's on the run. That means he went to the Bronx. (laughs) <laughs> you know, So, yeah, we didn't have to go too far. And you were right. He he didn't go too far either. He went from Brooklyn to Manhattan, right? Yeah. And yeah. he was actually in a Mickey D's. I wonder if they'll use that as a commercial, you know? Hey, have yeah. it your way. Well, uh, you know, that was Burger King. But, you know, hold the pickles, hold the lettuce, you know? But uh, he, he fled to Manhattan from Brooklyn. And, you know, look, all of the investigative tools they used to find this guy, it came down to a phone call from a civilian calling 577-TIPS, uh, 1-800-577-TIPS, that enabled the police to grab this guy. And that's cooperation. And in the old, we say it in so much where we get ad nauseum, if you see something, say something. I, I, I can he- almost hear you guys repeating that. If you see something, say something. And someone did see something, and someone did say something. And it resulted in the perpetrator getting caught in less than 30 hours, and he, if you guys are just tuning in, he was caught within the confines of the ninth Precinct by ninth Precinct Patrol officers who brought him into the ninth Precinct. And then I guess I would think at some point he was relieved. They were relieved of their custody by the FBI, who most likely took him into federal custody because he's going to be prosecuted federally.
2: You know, Billy, uh, I think uh, the point that we're talking about with the homeless issue regarding the subway system, he actually was ranting and raving on, I believe it was on Facebook or YouTube, one of the two. And he mentioned uh, Mayor Eric Adams that uh, he was responsible for the homeless problem in in, uh, New York City. And there's one of the people in chat, uh, Urban Infidel says, I've seen more homeless on the subways now. Then, now more than ever in my 60 years in the city. And that's a big statement that she's making right there. That's very, very indicative of what's going on in the subway system. When I came on the NYPD in 1982, I was actually a transit police officer, 1982, and there was a ton of homeless then over the years. And and most of the homeless were people that, they weren't just people down on the lock. They were people who were alcoholics, drug addicts. They were uh, people who were uh, psych- uh, mentally ill. And that's what the majority of them were. Uh, you know, listen, occasionally there was somebody who just lost their job, felt hopeless and went into the subway and rode the trains or whatever, but they weren't a consistent uh, problem. They were usually just a, uh, you know, a, a quick passing problem, so to speak. But, uh, again, I think that this is part of the whole thing that, that caused this incident. He was obviously, uh, uh, James was obviously upset about uh, about the homelessness situation in New York City. So uh, that w- what may have caused him to act out, act out.
0: Araful Islam. No, the perp did not call 1-800-577-TIPS on himself. Someone saw him out on the street. They called 1-800-577-TIPS. Also, someone took video of him and posted it on social media and stated, I just saw the subway shooter at such and such location. So with all this information, of course it stirred up ninth precinct patrol and they canvassed for him and they found him on the street, walking on the street and that's how he was apprehended. He was brought into the ninth precinct and I would imagine, and I don't have, um, this hasn't been verified, but I would imagine the feds, the FBI, because he is going to be charged federally with a terroristic act, which carries in itself a lifetime prison sentence. That's why I believe they're going to charge him federally. You don't even know. Maybe even the NYPD requested he be charged federally, since they know with the problem with the Brooklyn DA's office, they didn't want this guy being sent home with a cheese sandwich, so he's going to be charged federally, and they're going to make sure he goes to prison for a very long time, if not the rest of his life.
2: Yeah, this falls right into the guidelines of the feds. They were up on this case right from the beginning. So again, their jurisdiction, uh, based on the terrorism, the subway system, a transportation system traveled over state lines. There's several reasons to, uh, prosecute this case in federal court. And again, we talked about the hammer really coming down on a person that, uh, is, uh, prosecuted in federal court. So, uh, again, uh, like Billy said, great work by those nine precinct offices. They, uh, got the tips. Uh, they were canvassing the area and they were able to come up with, uh, the perpetrator and, and make the arrest without incident. Thank God.
0: Margaret Hearn. I know you're one of our favorites. I see you all the time in the chat and I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings by what I said. Cause you said I once was close to being homeless and nothing to do with drugs, alcohol, or other addiction. I was sick and needed compassionate care. We know what makes individuals homeless. Everyone can be one paycheck away. You're right. That can happen. But the highest percentage of the homeless we're talking about that are living on the subway, it has something to do with alcohol, drug addiction, or mental illness. And I stand by that, and I don't mean to disparage your situation that occurred one time in your life, and you obviously overcame it. But uh, that happens to be a fact of life in New York City and other cities.
2: All you'd have to do is take a ride in the subway. And I don't mean to engage anyone. If you observe the homeless that are in the New York City subway system in and around the city, uh, it's not going to take a uh, college degree to figure out that some of these people are obviously troubled with uh, psychological issues. Or addictive issues, and again, we mentioned there is a percentage of people that, you know, their luck just runs out. They, you know, no paycheck. uh, You know, they're thrown out of their home for whatever reason, and uh, it's a pretty low point in in one's life to be faced with that. And like I said, and Billy and I both said this, we feel for people like that, and we implore the city agencies to help or for help to people like that, and all of the people that are homeless. No one should be, and I think Mayor Adams, I'm going to credit him with this statement, no one should be living in the street or on the subways of New York City. It's just a fact that needs to be penetrated through the ACLU and all of these other progressive uh, agencies that want to, you know, uh, they're going to claim to be, uh, you know, protecting people uh, that are in homeless situations. No one should be living on the streets, especially in the cold winters and, uh, you know, all the different dangers that are out in the street. Uh, no one should be living in the subway or in the street. And that's it. Period. End of story.
0: You know, Phil, I 100% agree with you. Uh, you know, we, we had said, let's go on for like 35 or 45 minutes and uh, we're on over an hour, we're at an hour and three minutes. Cause we just love to hear e- each other talk. You know, we love to hear ourselves talk. But folks, you know, it's a, it is a happy occasion that they caught uh, this mass shooter thirty within 30 hours or less than 30 hours from the incident. He's under arrest. He's going to be prosecuted federally. He was arrested by patrol in the confines of the 9th ninth Precinct, 9th ninth, ninth Precinct patrol officers, who I would imagine handed him over to the FBI and uh, we put a dangerous criminal away. And that's what he is. He's a criminal.
2: Absolutely, Billy. Uh, When you think about the amount of information that was released to the public, I initially said to uh, to you, and I've said it to other people, I think it was more than should have been released. They definitely should have released his pictures. They definitely should have released the vehicle information. However, they talked so much about very early on about all the other particulars of what was found in his possession. I wouldn't have done that if I was at the helm. But however they did... uh, The point being that the information on the perpetrator, the vehicle, uh, they did great work, uh, speedy recovery of the vehicle, uh, working with the media, working with the public at large. He's now incarcerated. Uh, Let's hope that those people that were injured have a speedy recovery. Uh, and let's look at this really deep and try to prevent something like this. And Let's get those cameras fixed on the subway. I think, yeah, yeah,
0: especially the, that guy with the four hundred thousand dollar a year salary. Let's take some responsibility for your job, MTA CEO. What's his name again? Uh, oh, Jano Lieber. All right, yeah, let's take a little responsibility. Stop calling the police cops, all right, in a disparaging tone. Really, they're police officers, all right, Sana. At least Hulth Johnson. I don't even know what what denomination that is. It's 50-something, but thank you so much. I know you've been listening to us every day. Much love from Norway. Happy Easter, my friends, Bill and Phil, and Sana Elise Hoth-Johnson. Happy Easter to you, too, and thank you guys so much. Folks, you know, obviously you could tell we love doing this show, you know, police off the cuff, and we cover all kinds of different real crime stories. And when we get such a huge success story, story like this, and it happens to be our alma mater. Is that is that correct in saying that the NYPD? We're both from the NYPD, and we see when we see our compadres do an amazing job, like we know they can, and like we know they do every single day of the week. We're, we're cheering for them, and and you know, thank God they did this. Thank God they're as good at their job as they are. And when we see uh, woke politicians and politicians grabbing the spotlight that when when they have nothing to do with this. We call that out. Hope you guys like that, because I do. I like calling these people out that have nothing to do with the investigation, but they want to grab that microphone, you know. But, uh, folks, again, thank you so much for listening today. Phil, did I already get? Milwaukee Civilian, thank you for the $20 uh, Super you. Chat. Thank you for a great show and great coverage. Keep it up. Thank you, Milwaukee Civilian. You know, guys, uh, as I said, we love doing this show, and we're, um, we're growing our audience all the time. And really, if you're not subscribed, get in that YouTube subscribe. Hit the thumbs up, and you know, hit that bell. Anyway, Phil, I had no, I, I I sort of hesitate to give you last words because we're at an hour and six minutes, and we could go.
2: <laughs> I need thirty seconds. I right, uh, take thirty seconds, Phil. We did like three shows today. Uh, <laughs> we did a couple yesterday. Uh, I'm going to be going away for a few days next week. I'm going to try and go on from where well, I'm not going to say where I'm going just yet, but going away with the family for a few days for Easter holiday. Uh, great work by the NYPD. Uh, thank God that this this psychopath is off the streets. Uh, he can't cause any more harm. Uh, let's pray for those people that were injured, that they all fully recover and let's uh, continue to have safe streets and a safe subway system in New York city. We can turn the city around. We call out the politicians for good reason. We know it'll work. We, uh, have a lot of experience in the field and they know it as well. And sometimes they need to be called out. Uh, and let's get them to do their jobs. Let's get them off their duffs and uh, get the job done, and uh, hopefully I'll be coming on sometime next week uh, from where I am with Bill, and uh, we'll see you then. DP
0: Infamous, thank you for the 499 Super Chat. All you guys in the chat, all you guys that watched the show today, thank you so much for your support. You know, Phil and I had a little show that we were supposed to do other episodes on called Coppers in the Kitchen. And we were going to try to teach you guys how to cook. And we only did one episode and we had a lot of fun doing it, but we got to, we got to get back and do another
2: episode of coppers in the kitchen. You know, the minute I get back, I'm, I'm thinking about that and we got to maybe, maybe even talk about a cookbook. So we'll see.
0: all right, that would be great. So folks again, thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you for being part of the police Office, the cup, real crime stories, family, have a safe night.
2: Stay safe, everyone.
1: So just sing the